Good morning, y'all. I appreciate you uh, showing up despite knowing that I was going to be here. Um, I am, for those of you who may be visiting, I'm the youth pastor here. My name is Dustin Dupree, and uh, I consider it an honor and a joy and a privilege to uh, teach and share with you what I've been studying this week in the Word of God. Very excited this morning. Um, before before we jump into our text here, I want to uh, take a moment to plug our upcoming youth event. It's going to be, we're going to tie in our My Hope Now with Billy Graham to our Word of Life Storm event. What we're going to do is each leader is going to take two or three teens with them in their vehicle. They're going to forcibly enter their friends' homes and kidnap them and take them into their vehicles and bring them back to the church. Not forcibly, but we will, we will enter. No one will stop us. Uh, so, so the idea is to take the teens and to have them reach out to their friends, bring them back to the church where we'll do, we'll do different games and exciting events. Uh, one of our big attractions is going to be our 25-foot long banana split. Um, 25 feet, that's quite the challenge. So, uh, yeah, that's a big banana, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> So, so we'll have different games, activities um, planned, and then we'll close out with the uh, My Hope uh, Billy Graham message. Um, so what can you guys do? Thank you for asking. Um, 25 feet of banana split, that's a lot of ice cream, it's a lot of bananas. So if any of you are interested, uh, Mr. Carver had also mentioned if you have a, a homemade ice cream maker, that would be amazing. That would take it to the next level. Um, or if you want to just bring in a carton of ice cream or, or bananas or, or whatever. Um, try and keep it as close to that date as possible, November 16th. Um, that's going to be after our volleyball championship game. So come out, support the team, and then come out and uh, help us have this event organized. I'm planning and praying for 100 teenagers. I, don't, I think that's realistic. I think it's realistic. Each teenager brings about 10 people. We're in the hundreds. <laughs> and the gospel is preached. So, so that's my prayer. Um, and, and join with me praying for this event as well. And then in turn, praying for your own event too. I know a lot of you guys have got plans hosting your own in-house event for this My Hope America through Billy Graham. Um, all right, let's jump into our text. We're uh, Luke chapter 8. We're continuing in Luke um, Really enjoyed the studies that, that Pastor Jeremy has shared with us. Um, and again, just it was a great opportunity this week for me to jump into God's Word and to really dig out. And I want to share what I, what I discovered and what I'm continually being amazed by God with. And I want to share that with you this morning. Um, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. Uh, I know you guys are used to Pastor Jeremy's 52 minutes. My saints do not play this afternoon. It's bye week, so I could care less what time we get out. <laughs> but now, joking aside, um, Sue did uh, offer me money to keep it under 30. <laughs> now I'm kidding about that. I'm kidding. It was Carver. Uh, <laughs> No, but uh, I, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead this morning, and uh, when God says we're done, that's when we'll be done. 
Sounds good. All right, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. This is uh, Luke's account of Jesus stilling the storm, calming the storm. And uh, let's read in verses 22 through 25. Now, one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep. And a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and to be in danger. They came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Let's pray before we uh, jump in here. Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you so much for, for who you are. I thank you for your power and majesty and your sovereignty, that you have all things in control. I thank you for your word and revealing us revealing yourself to us in a special way through the Holy Scriptures. Father, I pray that this morning we are attentive and that our heart and minds are open to receive your truth and to apply it to our lives so that we can be more and more conformed into the image of Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. I hope you guys don't mind, but I'm going to of course, you know, I, I work with teenagers, so I'm just going to act like all of you are under the age of 18. Um, uh, that's the only way I know how to teach, so you're just going to have to bear with me. Um, so, so again, you're going to see my personality come out uh, this morning, and uh, it, it's similar to a teenager. I look like a teenager. I uh, feel like a teenager. I still feel pretty young, and I might even smell like a teenager. Sometimes you might ask my wife. So I'd be able to give you uh, more information on that. Um, but this morning, I, w- I want to not only take a look at this, this passage, um, this miracle that Jesus Christ performed, I want to go deeper into that. I want to look at this scripture in context of history, okay? And that's, that's Christ working this miracle in the context of redemptive history, um, when I say redemptive history, I mean God's in the, in the business of redeeming, okay? He, he redeems his people, and he redeems, eventually he's going to redeem his planet, okay? And, I, and that's what I want to focus on this morning. So before we jump into that, I want to go back to before the fall, all right? So we have, before the fall, we have Adam and Eve and paradise, all right? So we have paradise God made man. He made him in charge of the creation. All right? And he was in charge of this perfect world, this paradise. Then what happened? Man sinned and he fell. So paradise was lost. This is in Genesis 3. Um, The earth was cursed. um, And also the uh, man was cursed as well. So man and earth was cursed. Stained by sin, all right? So we see all those, uh, those consequences that happened in, in Genesis 3. So now we see that life is now marked by sickness and pain 
and suffering and war, injustice, murder, natural disasters, famine, demonic activity. All right, so all these things are, are what marks this life now. It's not our best life now. Um, God, but, but in result of that, God has a plan. It's a twofold plan. All right, that, and this describes Christ's first and second coming. His first part of his plan was to redeem his people. Um, and we see all the Old Testament leading up to the first coming of Christ, the first coming of the Messiah. And then we see the, the Gospels centering on that and the rest of the New Testament pointing back to that event of Christ's coming. But then we also see a second part of the plan. And that's God's plan to redeem his creation, redeem the planet. Um, so his, Christ's first coming was to save his people from sin. And he came in, in humility as a sacrifice from sin, sacrifice for sin. His second coming, he's going to come in glory to conquer and destroy all wickedness and to rule the world. And one person will do both, did and will do both of these things. Okay, So if you think about that one person who has the ability to redeem people from sin and to redeem the creation and reverse the curse, that person must have extreme power. Okay? And that's, that's, what I want you to, that's what I want you guys to see this morning, the power and the greatness of our God. And, th- and this is what I was reminded this week of how, how awesome God is. And, and that's my prayer this morning. If you see that, then I feel like I have successfully conveyed this passage to you guys. So that one person must have extreme power. And I know personally how much power it takes to, to redeem a person, right? Those of you who have been redeemed, those of you who have been bought with the blood of Christ and have trusted in Christ and put Him as your Lord and Savior of your life and are living for Him, you know how much work that takes. So if you think about how much power it would be to reverse the curse on creation, it takes extreme power. So we've already seen in Luke in these passages that, that Christ that Luke is presenting Christ, that he is the Messiah, and that he has the power to save from sin. And, and in this passage, and um, we'll jump into the rest of these miracles that he performs in the end of chapter 8, but specifically in this par- passage, Christ shows that he has the power over nature and over creation. So the wind is impossible to control. Um, despite how many efforts man makes, whether it's a wind turbine or whatever, to control the wind, it's so unpredictable. We can't control it. Um, there's an old saying, everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. So next time you hear someone saying, man, this rain is crazy, right? It's like, well, do something about it, man. What are they going to say? I can't. Right? We can't do anything about the weather can't do anything about the wind, the rain, that, that's all in God's control. 
And I want to tie this into to when Christ eventually reverses the curse uh, on creation, and that's going to be in the millennium. And Scripture is clear about the millennium, um, the kingdom. I'm sorry. Uh, some characteristics of the, of the millennial kingdom. Satan will be bound. So this shows that Christ has the power to triumph, to overcome Satan. Um, demons will not dominate. So this show and the saints will. So this shows that Jesus has the powers over over demons. So Satan and the demons will be bound for that thousand year period in the millennial kingdom. Um, sin will be instantaneously punished under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and perfect righteousness will be practiced. Okay, so Jesus Christ will be the king of the millennial kingdom. It will be his kingdom. He will be king. If you just think about that power for one person to rule perfectly and justly in a kingdom of millions and millions of people, that person must have extreme power. Peace will dominate, Isaiah 2.4. Joy will abound, fullness of joy, Isaiah 9, 3 and 4. Full knowledge will characterize the kingdom, uh, Isaiah 11.9. And sickness will be removed, Isaiah 33.24. Nature will change, we've heard... Uh, I'm sure you've heard the lion will lay down with the lamb. All right, carnivores will eat straw. Okay, so so nature will change. Crops will flourish. The deserts will be flourishing with with vegetation. Um, And it even says in Isaiah 30, 26, that the moon will have the same photosynthetic characteristics that the sun has. So crops will grow at night. All right, so... So it'll be paradise regained in this kingdom. Um, Health and healing will mark the kingdom. True worship will be restored, Isaiah 45, 23. And the kingdom will be a theocratic government. And and Dwight Pentecost says that this theocratic government is not to be viewed not as a convenience, but as an absolute necessity. So Jesus Christ... Absolute rule is a necessity for this kingdom to operate the way it's going to operate. All right? No other person can do it this way other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so, so we'll see that only God has the power. And only God has the power to redeem people and redeem his planet and reverse the curse. Psalm 62.11, David says that the power belongs to God. Um, God has the power over the seas, as we see in our passage this morning, and we'll, we'll get into more detail there. And God has the power uh, over land and manimal, animals, manimals, animals, and over man. Um, Nahum 1.3 says that the Lord is great in power. Isaiah 26.4, God is everlasting, and God is in everlasting power. Psalm 65.6, He establishes the mountains being girded with power. Romans 1. If you see the power of God, which is plain to everyone, as Romans 1 says, then you're without excuse. All right, so it's plain to everyone. Everyone is without excuse. So, so with that in mind, um, we're, we're going through a, a study on Wednesday nights with the teens. It's called a True You, and it's the portion we're in now is, does God exist? So, uh, 
Dr. Meyer is the professor um, that's walking us through this, and uh, he's giving evidences for the existence of God. And one of the hotly debated topics, and, and I'm sure will be, is evolution. Um, and that has to be, the more and more we watch this and get into this, of all the dumb things that mankind has believed, and we've believed in some stupid things, evolution has to be the most ridiculous. And, and you, can, you can just see in nature and in the scriptures and in, in sciences that evolution is not a valid explanation for, for the existence of life. Um, so, so evolution has to be the m- most ridiculous belief that man has ever believed. It's below, below insanity. Um, it, it doesn't explain um, a, a power source. All right. This is, a, uh, this is my favorite car of all time. It's a Porsche 911 Turbo. This is the 2014 model. It's very nice. Uh, it has 560 horsepower. It's a lot. All right. Max speed, 197 miles an hour. And it holds 16.9 gallons of fuel. Powerful vehicle. What happens when the fuel runs out? It ain't going nowhere, is it? No matter how many horsepower it has, how fast it can go, when it runs out of fuel, that's it. Nothing to it. So, so where does the power in the universe come from? We see all these things happening. The earth is rotating around the sun. The sun's rotating in the galaxy. And the galaxies are sure are orbiting. And all this movement, and they're just hanging there. Where's the power to control all these things come from? It doesn't come from anywhere. It's God. God is the power source. All right? And I'm going to show you through the scriptures um, how I come to that. Anybody know this guy? Anybody know that guy? Einstein? Einstein died a disappointed man. Um, we know him for all his formulas and, and different uh, theories, but uh, he died a disappointed man because he couldn't find the power source to explain his phenomena. And he wouldn't accept that God did it. Okay? So his life was dedicated to explaining things of life, and he couldn't do it without God. All right? So he rejected that idea. So let's look into space. And and through all these, I want you to see, just keep in mind, the power of God, the greatness of God. All right, the furthest we can see, that background picture is actually um, a a photo of the deep field, Hubble Deep Field Telescope, and that's the furthest photo that we have of into deep space. And it's seven... Times 10 to the 22nd miles, that's 7 bajillion miles, okay? So all of those zeros, 22 zeros at the end of that number. Can't even fathom, can't even fathom that distance. All right? Our planet, you might recall some of this from science class. The circumference of the, of the earth is 24,901 miles, it's distance around the earth. Diameter, distance across, 7,918 miles. The weight, 
of the earth. 5.972 times 10 with 24 zeros at the end of that number. Kilograms. Alright? Those of you who don't know the metric system, kilograms are like, one kilogram is like two point something pounds. So double that number and that's pounds. An amazing number. And it's just hanging there. And it spins at a thousand miles an hour. So the earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour and it's also spinning about 10,000 or 100,000, forget the number, miles an hour around the sun. Okay? No, I'm sorry, per minute. A thousand miles per minute around the sun. So extreme speed, extreme mass, and it's just hanging there, and it seems like nothing is, is doing it. Scientists, evolutionists will say it's just happening. Okay? Um, so that, that's our, our planet. Um, bring you back down the earth. Um, a squirrel can remember the hiding places of up to 10,000 nuts. That's amazing, right? 10,000 nuts. I just thought you'd enjoy that. Um, but but where, does that, where does that extreme knowledge come from? Where does the power of all of this stuff come from? Right? Let's jump back out into space. I'm sorry. Not quite yet. Um, jump back out into space. The sun has... The sun has five times ten, five with 23 zeros behind it in horsepower. So if you thought that Porsche was powerful, the sun has five, I'll use that word bajillion again. I don't even know if that's a number, but, but listen to this. It's a, it has enough energy to melt a bridge of ice two miles wide, one mile thick, extending from the earth to the sun in one second. So the sun has enough power to melt the two-mile-wide, one-mile-deep bridge from earth to the sun in one second. That's power, right? All right, let's take it down to simple. All right, the atom. The atom is the simple building block of life. Everything's made up of atoms. You, me, the chair. Listen to this. This is, this is, this is astounding. Um, in a teaspoon of water, all right, picture a teaspoon of water, there are a million, billion, trillion atoms all moving around. So you can imagine how tiny this must be. Um, I saw somewhere that there are more atoms in a teaspoon of water than there are teaspoons of water in the Atlantic Ocean. So next time you're at the beach, start scooping water and put it in a bucket and see how long that takes you. Just gives you an idea of how many atoms are in a teaspoon of water. Simple. All right, and they're all moving. All right, the atom is made up of what? Help me out, teenagers. What's the atom made up of? Three, three uh, particles protons, neutrons, and electrons. All right, now these particles are so tiny that they only make up one trillionth of the atom's volume. So we already got a tiny atom, then we've got the, part, the three particles inside of the atom that make up one trillionth of the volume of the atom, even tinier, okay? If you were, and the rest, and 
science cannot explain this, and I'm going to present to you something that, that Scripture teaches that may prove, and I'm not a scientist, I just read the Bible, um, <laughs> that may prove to you what's holding this atom together. All right, we've got the protons and neutrons in the middle, and we've got electrons flying around on the outside. Okay? If you were to take all the atoms in your body and suck out the empty space and just be made up of the material part of the atom, you would be one one hundredth of a cube one one hundred millionth of a cubic inch. Okay, so you suck out all that empty space and you're just made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons. You'd be one one hundred millionth of a cubic inch. All right, so the rest of that is power in motion. Okay, so if you, if you look at me, I'm only one, one one hundred millionth of a cubic inch of material. The rest of me is power, right? <laughs> but, you, but you could say the same thing for yourself. So, so it's not that impressive. Um, but if you were to fill that space with actual particles and weight and give that entire space of the atom mass, you'd weigh one billion pounds. No complaining, ladies. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) One billion pounds, okay? Keep it in perspective. All right? So, So that power... I believe, and we'll, we'll look at some passages here, is God. Um, in, Colo- in Colossians, well, I'm sorry, in Hebrews 1.3 says that God upholds all things by the power of his word. So without God, there's no source for the power. Um, he has the power to create. He has the power to uphold and sustain creation, as Colossians teaches us. Colossians says, in Christ All things were created, and in him all things consist. So I believe that God is holding that atom and those particles together, and without him, fly apart. There'd be no life, no existence, which is what Scripture teaches. Sorry. Um, so, So when you're looking around to see, when you're looking around for someone... To see who the Messiah is, look for someone who has that great power. And we see that in the scriptures and the gospels here, and specifically what Luke is teaching here. So Christ is the Messiah, and Luke, uh, he, he verifies this by explaining the virgin birth. He gives some genealogies of Christ, linking it to the Old Testament, of who the Messiah was. Um, his credentials that Luke shows, and we'll see them uh, in the rest of these miracles here in chapter 8. But the Messiah has the power over death. He has the power over disease and demons and Satan. And all these things, especially these in in the end of chapter 8, these four miracles are just previews of what's going to be in the millennium. Um, These are just preview miracles preview of life of what the millennium's, the kingdom is going to look like. So in our passage, specifically, Luke is dealing with 
Christ's power over nature. All right, so let's read that one more time with all these things in mind. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they launched out. But as they were sailing along, he fell asleep, and a fierce gale of wind descended on the lake, and they began to be swamped and be in danger. And they came to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the surging waves, and they stopped, and it became calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? So Christ performs this miracle. He stops the wind and he stops the waves instantly. Right? So they obey his command. Um, what was the disciples' response to this? They were fearful and amazed. They had just witnessed an act of God. And their first response was fright. They were scared. And they were amazed. It was so obvious that this power was not human. Um, And this is Jesus' typical reaction that he gets when he performs a miracle. So let's look at at verse, uh, I'm sorry, at these four miracles at the end of chapter 8. And we're going to look at these people's response to, to Christ's miracles. Uh, We've already seen back in Luke 5, uh, when Jesus sets out on the boat, he finishes his preaching, um, and he tells Peter to let down his nets after they've been fishing all night. Peter says, okay, I'll do it, and he lets down, and he brings in a great catch. All right, so Jesus calls all the fish into one place of the net, and they stay there. Peter pulls in the Net, and what was his reaction after they pulled in the net? He said, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. All right, so that was his first reaction. All right, we see here when the storm is stilled um, after they witnessed this miracle that they were fearful and amazed. Let's go down to verse 37. Um, this account is of Jesus casting out demons of the... Uh, of the man who was possessed by legion. Legion uh, was probably, well, in Mark, he, in this account in Mark, he says that Jesus cast the demons into about 2,000 pigs. All right? So you think about how many demons were in that man to possess those pigs after Christ sent them into him and run them off that cliff. Probably a bunch, a bunch of demons. So, So Jesus casts these demons out, and in verse 37, um, and all these, and all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear, and he got into a boat and returned. So Jesus performs this miracle, and they say, dude, get out of here. We're terrified. We don't even know what just happened. Well, we know what just happened. God performed a miracle, displayed his power, and they were frightened. They were terrified. They asked him to leave. 
All right, so, so same response. Um, verse 47, uh, a woman is healed of a disease. Uh, she had uh, some sort of condition where she was cast out. Um, she was not allowed to, uh, to take place in worship in the, in the synagogues there because of her, her condition. Um, and Jesus heals this woman of the disease. And in verse 47, when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. So this woman was immediately healed after she touched uh, Jesus and she came to him and fell down trembling uh, at, at his feet. And in the next, uh, next miracle that Jesus performs at the end of chapter 8, um, he raises a girl from the dead. Uh, verse 56 says that he took, he however took her by the hand and called, and called saying, child arise, I'm sorry, it's verse 54, and her spirit returned and she got up immediately and he gave orders for something to be given to her for her to eat. In verse 56, here's the parents' reaction. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one of what, what had happened. And that word amazed just doesn't do it. Um, that, that meaning, um, according, to, uh, according to Strong's Concordance in the Bible Dictionary, it says that that meaning uh, is from amazement. That word amazed comes from amazement accompanied with terror and trembling to, the, to an astonishment of full perplexity, wonder, awe, and joyous surprise. It is a word especially used to show the effect of Christ's miracles, teaching, character, and divine personality on those who saw and heard him and were made conscious of his supernatural power. So these people were amazed. They... They weren't just surprised. They were moved to the point of wonder and awe and fear after they saw what Christ had did. So Luke pulls all these passages together at the end of chapter 8 to show Christ's power. Um, he shows Christ's power to stop death and to give life, um, to heal a disease and to make completely whole, um, the power to cast out demons instantly, and shows his power over nature and the power to stop a storm. And again, these are just previews of what this millennium kingdom is going to look like. So they were stunned, um, and, they, and they should be. Uh, Peter, Peter said that, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. He realized his own sinfulness in this, this time of witnessing God's great power. And I think about the... Uh, the prophet uh, Isaiah in 6.5, when uh, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So they were gripped with this reality of God's presence and His power. Isaiah and Peter were, and they responded with how sinful they were. Right, so they saw God's majesty and 
all they could focus on was how sinful they were. And John had the same situation in Revelation 1.17. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid for I am the first and the last. So these instances where they realize the power and greatness of God, they were, it was a frightening reality for them, realizing that they were in the presence of God. So Jesus is displaying exactly who he claimed to be um, in this passage and he has the power to carry out God's plan. God's plan to redeem his people, save his people from their sin, and God's plan to redeem his planet and reverse the curse and restore the planet to a place of paradise regained. Um, this morning, as I'm wrapping up, miracle, right? Uh, <laughs> I hope that you saw this morning... Um, the, the power of God and how awesome and great he is. And just as those, those three that we looked at, uh, Peter and Isaiah and John, responded with looking at their own life. I want, I want us to evaluate this morning with this in mind of the greatness and power of God to, to evaluate our own life, um, to evaluate how sinful and undeserving of the grace of God we truly are. Um, and, then, and then trust that we can look forward to that time when Christ makes everything whole, He redeems His people in the kingdom, and He redeems His creation and makes it all whole again. Um, that's all I have this morning. Uh, I want to pray before we close out uh, in this, uh, this morning's service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, I thank you for, for revealing your greatness to us in, uh, in creation and also in your word. Um, I thank you for the, the, truth of your, the truth of your word and how we can um, just pick out these little things and apply them and evaluate and examine our own lives to, uh, to see how, how great and how, how awesome your salvation is that you offer. Um, Father, I, I pray if anyone does not know um, or have, has, uh, has knowledge of um, the Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, I pray that they, uh, they settle that this morning uh, for today is the day of salvation. Father, I thank you again for just allowing me to uh, teach and share what I've learned this week and what's impressed on my heart. Um, again, I, I hope that I, um, that I presented you as the awesome and mighty and powerful God that you are. Father, I, I pray that uh, only what, what's true in your word is remembered this morning, um, nothing that I said. And I, again, I just thank you for using a, a sinful and a uh, weak vessel like me to, uh, to be able to, to understand and, and teach your word. Father, thank you for uh, the attentiveness this morning. Uh, be with us uh, this afternoon and, and bring us back this evening as we, uh, 
as we continue on with the ministry and teaching and discipling uh, young people. For all these things, in Christ's name, amen.